Good morning. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. I want to thank you all for being here today, especially our guests who are with us, whether you're here in person or watching online or listening to our podcast. just want to thank you for spending some time with us. As Kevin said, we're wrapping up our series today, Why We Give, and we've talked about different reasons that we give God our time and our talents and our money. And it's not so much because God needs it, because it's kind of good for us to be able to give to God. And We've learned that we give because we can be part of something bigger than who we are by ourselves. And we come together and and pool our resources and together with God, we can transform our community. We can transform our world. We give to God because God asks us to give. And again, that's good for us to be able to do. Not so much that God needs it, but that it's something special that we get to be a part of. And so we've got one more reason that we give. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But before we dive in, just would like to invite you to join me in a moment of silent prayer that I would deliver God's word today, that we would hear it and allow God's story to be part of our story. Let's pray about that together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Earlier this month, uh, they played a college basketball game uh, in China. It involved the UCLA Bruins, University of California, Los Angeles, and the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets uh, down from Atlanta, Georgia. And so they went over to China to play an exhibition college basketball game, got a lot of hype about that. And maybe you heard about it in the news, not so much because of the basketball, but because of three of the young players on UCLA's team, uh, three young men, uh, freshmen in college, probably somewhere around 18, 19 years old, Uh, were arrested while they were in China on this trip to play basketball for stealing some sunglasses uh, from the Louis Vuitton store over there. Uh, They caught them on video camera surveillance, uh, and so they were arrested. Uh, They are put in the prison in China, and uh, and they couldn't play the basketball game. Uh, It started kind of an international incident kind of thing going on, and so our government was reaching out to their government. I'm sure UCLA, you know, was pulling some strings with their alumni and, you know, trying to connect over there. President Trump even got involved as he was on tour over there. And so uh, long story short, uh, these three young men were released from China and were allowed to come home uh, later uh, after their teams had already flown back. If they had stayed there uh, in China, they could have stayed in jail for several months without even being charged officially. And if they were convicted, they could have stayed up to around 10 years in prison, uh, which would have absolutely been the worst thing ever, right? To be in a foreign prison for 10 years uh, from age of 18, 19, what to wait, 28, 29. That, that could have ruined their lives, absolutely. And so when they got back, they, uh, they held a press conference and uh, UCLA has, has said that they've been suspended from the basketball team for an indefinite period. They're going to determine how long that's going to be. They're going to let them still be students uh, at the university. Uh, but these three young men, uh, they did the right thing. They came in, in front of a, you know international television audience, said, we're sorry. We made a mistake. It was wrong what we did. Uh, we apologize. Uh, and we're grateful. You know, we're grateful to uh, the Chinese government, the police department, the judges, uh, the president, to President Trump, for everyone who had a hand to UCLA, you know, for, you know, still loving us and standing beside us. You know, they, they, they had a very sincere thank you, as we might expect. 
Because it's a very serious thing. It's a big deal. You know, UCLA played University of Southern California yesterday in a football game, and all the Southern Cal fans had on shirts that says, you know, I bought these sunglasses. And so, you know, they're taking a shot at them already, which uh, that's just funny. Uh, but, uh, but if they were still in prison, then that would ruin their lives, right? For a pair of sunglasses, trade 10 years of your life in a foreign government's prison. So, you know, if I'm one of those young men... I'm grateful, right, that, that I'm back and I'm with my family and I'm in America and I'm free. And yeah, I'm not playing basketball on the team right now, but I'm still going to a great university. And, you know, I, I think I would be expressing some gratitude to the people at UCLA and saying, you know, thank you for not throwing me out of school and thanks for having my back and all that you did to help facilitate getting me home. And, you know, you know what, if, if, if I could, I'd love to serve food in the cafeteria to show my appreciation. I, I'll be glad to mow the lawn. You know, thank you so much. I will clean out the toilet toilets in the bathrooms because, man, you've given me my life back and I appreciate that. And, you know, coming up for Christmas, I would be sending gifts to like the Chinese police officer that walked me out of the prison and to the judge and to the, you know, the Chinese president, to President Trump. I'd send them a fruit cake. I'd send them a fruit basket. You know, I'd say, I'll wash your car. Whatever you need me to do, you have given me my life back. And I am in, I'm in your debt, right? I'm eternally grateful for the ways that you have helped me get my life back together. And so I think you'd be like me and we want to really share our gratitude at, at having our young lives back rather than being stuck in a prison in another country for 10 years of our lives. It would ruin their lives, absolutely ruin their lives. And so as we think about this week coming into Thanksgiving, sometimes it's easy to really just kind of, you know, go through the motions. Yeah, let's be cliche. We're thankful for this. We're thankful for that. I mean, it really is time for us to stop and think, wow, you know, what are the things in my life that I'm grateful for? You know, not everything's going right right now. And, you know, I'm hurting in this way. And, and usually when, when things aren't going right, that's what we focus on. But Thanksgiving is the time to step back and say, wow, God, thank you. There's a lot in my life to be grateful for. I'm alive. Right, I, I'm able to come and, and I, I've got clothes on my back and I, I've got a roof over my head. I've got food in my stomach. I'm coming to church in this place where I'm sitting in a comfortable seat. And, you know, I was born in America. Like that's like winning the lottery. The poorest of the poor in our country are richer than billions of people around the planet. I've got friends. I've got family. I've got people who love me, a church family that loves me. There's so much that we can be grateful for, but sometimes we just take it for granted. So brothers and sisters, I encourage you this week, you know, give God some thanks. You know, count those things in our lives that we're grateful for and don't just breeze through it and, you know, kind of just take it for granted and do the whole cliche Thanksgiving thing. Wow, what is it that we're grateful for? I'm grateful, God. I'm grateful for God's word. We're going to study today a story of Jesus that's all about being thankful uh, and, and it's an exciting story. And I want you, as we read it together, to think about maybe where, where we fit into this story. There's different characters in this story. You know, who, who do we identify with today? And so we're going to be today in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, it's in the New Testament. It's the third book of the Bible. Luke is a gospel. Gospel means the good news of Jesus. So Luke tells the story of the life of Jesus when, from when he was born all the way to when he died and when he came back to life. And so it's a great story. And Luke uh, wrote in the first century, he was the disciple of Jesus. He was a doctor. He was a physician. He was a firsthand 
firsthand eyewitness of the life of Jesus. And so, so Luke uh, wrote two books in the New Testament. Luke, which is about the, the story of Jesus, and then he wrote the book of Acts, which is the story of the early church, how the church was born after Jesus went back into heaven after he was resurrected. And so we're going to be in Luke's gospel. We're going to be in a specific part of Luke's gospel. If you've got your Bibles with you or you want to look along on your tablets, we also have it on the screen. We're going to be in Luke uh, chapter 17 today. Right in, the, right in the core of Luke's gospel, there's 10 chapters uh, that are devoted to basically a road trip for Jesus. So Jesus is going on this road trip. He's done his adult ministry for like three years. And so now he's going to go to Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, which is in the southern part of Israel. He's kind of been hanging out a lot in the northern part in an area called Galilee. And he's, he's going to travel to Jerusalem and his mission is to go there and he's going to allow himself to be killed. He's going to come back to life so that you and I can be restored into a right relationship with God, right? So that's Jesus's mission. And we got 10 chapter road trip and uh, a lot of cool things happen. He's teaching and he's healing and he's doing miracles and, and he's butting heads with some of the religious leaders of the day here trying to, to catch him breaking the religious law and, and they're harping on him for, for healing people. And so it's this stress time. He knows where he's headed. But so, so we get to get on this journey with Jesus, this 10 chapter journey. We're not reading all 10 chapters right now. Don't worry. But uh, we, we get this slice of Jesus's life as he's going to do the greatest thing for us that anybody could ever do for us. Uh, and we're going to read a story about people uh, who have a chance to be thankful to God. So uh, let's jump in to Luke's gospel, uh, Luke chapter 17. We're going to begin with verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, again, he's going to the the capital city. It's in the southern part of Israel. He's traveling from the north. Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Okay, so Galilee's pretty much where Jesus has been hanging out. It's this big lake up in the northern part of Israel. It's beautiful. He's doing all these miracles. Now he's going to, you know, take some of his love on the way to Jerusalem. And it's near this area called Samaria. Right, and so the people who live in Samaria are known as Samaritans, and so the Samaritans and the people of Israel, who were the, the Jewish people, uh, they didn't like each other. In fact, they hated each other. They they just they couldn't stand each other. And here's why. Right, so about 700 years before Jesus was born, and about 580 years before Jesus was born, two time periods, um, these. These other nations came into Israel, two separate nations, one about 700 years before Jesus, one about 580 years before Jesus. They conquered Israel. They totally wiped them out. They took a lot of the Israelites into captivity in their country. They had a lot of their people come in and settle in Israel and live among the people who were left in the area. Uh, And so the Israelites who remained, many of them began to marry some of the foreigners who had come in and they intermingled. Uh, and so when the Israelites who were taken into captivity and, and their ancestors who you know came after them, when they came back into the land of Israel, they looked down upon those who had stayed and intermarried. They, they said, that's not cool. That, that's not what you're supposed to do. You sold out to our foreign oppressor, right? Now you're not pure. Your blood is not pure. Now it is mixed. And so we, we will hate you. And in response, of course, Samaritans say, well, we're going to hate you back, right? And so that's just, it's sad all the way around. Right, so it's, it's to the level of hate of like the, the white supremacists that were in Charlottesville, Virginia, you know, protesting uh, a little while back and just, you know, how ugly that got. That's the kind of hatred that we're talking about between the Jewish folks uh, and the Samaritans. Uh, and it's just a mess. And so, so Jesus, you know, he's got enough going on, but now that's kind of where he's going and hanging out kind of between these two areas. So let's see uh, what happens. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. 
And they stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Okay. So Jesus is going into a village on the way, and there are these ten men who live there uh, and uh, outside the village. They're lepers. They have the skin disease called leprosy. In the Bible, uh, this idea of leprosy it comes from a word lepra. What it means, it's this one word that, just, that kind of describes a whole lot, several different uh, skin diseases. And so uh, it could be anything from psoriasis uh, to tapeworm to lupus to Hansen disease. It's some you know, sort of skin disease, many different skin diseases under one, one big umbrella, but usually it's a visible skin disease, some kind of lesion on the body. Uh, and when someone had leprosy, uh, it, was, it, was, it was bad. Because what happened was the Jewish people were following these very uh, strict laws about being clean. And so when something like that was considered unclean, the person who had it was banished. Okay, And so if you had something come up on your skin that you thought would be leprosy, right? it's like in the horror movies when somebody's getting ready to become a zombie and it just starts happening and you see that and you see the horror in them. right? This is what's happening. Because when someone had leprosy, they were cast out of their society. Right, so, so if you have leprosy, or your son or daughter has leprosy, or your friend has leprosy, uh, you're going to be cast out. You, you're going to lose your home. You're going to not be able to see your family, your friends anymore. You're not going to be able to do what you do for a living. You're going to lose your church. You're going to lose it all. You have to leave. You have to walk away from everything. Right, So it's like you're dead. You will not see your parents, your children, your brothers, your sisters, your friends ever again until you somehow miraculously are healed. Leprosy was a big deal. Right, And so if something came up on your skin, what we would have to do is go present ourselves to the priest. They would examine it. Uh, and if it looked like leprosy, they would quarantine us for seven days. And uh, then they'd let us back out. And if it looked like it cleared up, then we could enter back into society. If it wasn't clear, we'd go back into quarantine for seven more days. If it didn't clear back up, uh, then we were cast out. We were gone. No goodbyes, no, go, you are gone, you have to leave. In, in a way, it's a death. Right? It's, it's the end of our relationships with the people that we care about. All that we know, our home is gone. We have to go out and live by ourselves. Maybe, if we're fortunate, we'll find some other lepers that will hang out with us. But wherever we walk, if we see other people, we have to scream out, Unclean! Unclean! I am unclean! I'm a leper, right? So, so people would steer clear of them, right? So this leprosy thing is a big deal. It's like the end of our social lives. It, it's the kiss of death itself. And so Jesus is walking, you know, to this village. And on the outside of that village, right, there are these 10 men who are lepers. They have leprosy. They're kind of bonding together, right? And so they keep their distance, right? Which is the rule. We got to keep our distance. But they shout out to Jesus, Right? And they say, Jesus, Master, they recognize him. They've heard the stories about him, that even though they can't approach him, they have heard that he is an approachable person because he hangs out with prostitutes. He hangs out with tax collectors. He hangs out with religious and non-religious people. He hangs out with good people and bad people. And he's been healing people. Right? He's been healing people who are blind and who can't walk. He's healed people who can't stop bleeding. He's healed people who have the very same condition as them. And so they have hope and they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And what they're saying is, Jesus, I want to go home. 
I want to hug my little girl again. I want to be with my spouse again. I want to see my parents again. I want to see my best friend. I want to sleep in my bed again, man. Jesus, have mercy on us. We know you can do this. Heal us, right? So these guys, they have faith. They have faith. So when he saw them, he says, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. So this is interesting. Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priest. The only time that a leper could go and show himself to a priest would be when they were healed, like the, the skin had cleared up and they wanna, they're excited and they want to go back and they want to go get back into their, into their village there. And so they would go and, and say, hey, I'm healed. You know, can I come back? And if so, yeah, you, know, you go through this cleansing ritual and then you're, you're back in. And so what Jesus is saying is, go show yourselves, right? But, but we, still, we, we still have the stuff on our skin, right? That's probably what they're saying. But, but Jesus says, go do this. And they know this is a man who is, is a healer, right? So they're like, wow, this is our chance to be healed. Jesus is telling us to go back to the priest. It must, it must be something that's going to happen. And so when they started going back, right? They had faith. They acted on their faith. They started doing what Jesus said. They were healed, right? And so their faith and partnering with the power of God and the belief that this Jesus was who he says he was and can do what he says he will do, right? They were healed, right? So it's the miracle, right? So, so this is the point, right? We're going home. I'm going to see my mom. I'm, I'm going to see my sister. I'm going to see my best friend. I'm going to go back and sleep in my bed, right? My life is going to be restored, right? This is, this is the part where, you know, we're, we're excited, right? This is the part where we're going to be like, thank you, Jesus, right? This is, this is incredible, Right, Jesus, you know what? I'll mow your grass if you need me to. I'll, I'll clean your toilets if you need me to. Right? You need a kidney anytime for a transplant? I've got two. I'll give you one. Right? We will say and do whatever because Jesus has healed us and we are no longer outcasts. Right? So that gift has been given to these 10 men. So let's see how they respond. One of them, when he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him, right? And who would blame him, right? Thank you, Jesus, right? I, I love you, man. And he was a Samaritan, right? So this is one of those like double outcasts from someone who would be like Jesus, right? This, this religious Jewish man, right? This is a Samaritan, right? But the Samaritan's like, man, Jesus healed me. I got to go back, right? And I want to thank the man that healed me. Not just with my words, but with my actions, right? So he bowed down, right? It's an act of worship to to acknowledge Jesus as his Lord. And so he was grateful and we can't blame him, right? I mean, that's a very big deal. And so, right, so he honors Jesus with his words and he honors Jesus with his actions. And so it's just this powerful, powerful moment, right? And so let's see what happens with the other nine guys. Jesus asked then, we're not all 10 cleansed, right? Didn't I, I healed 10 people, 10 lepers, 10 men, right? Right, 10 were healed. Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner, right? People would have expected if anybody would come back, it wouldn't be the Samaritan, but it was the Samaritan who came back. And so Jesus is like, didn't I heal 10 men? Now, one of them is grateful and that's good, but what happened to the other nine? 
That's a good question. The Bible doesn't tell us. And there's many different reasons that, that they might not have come back. You know, maybe they're just so excited about getting their lives back. You know, hey, I'm going to see my family again. I'm going to see my friends again. I'm going to go back to my city. I can start working in the work that I love again. I can sleep in my own bed and I can hug my family. You know, it's just, you know, we're just so excited that they just, you know, we're caught up in the moment. Or maybe it was just this shock of this surreal thing of my, my I'm, I'm healed, right? After years and years, has this really happened to me? And they may be walking around like, with like this fog and, you know, and not sure, just kind of following along. Or, or maybe they're just rule followers, you know? Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. I'm going to go show myself to the priest. Well, that guy went back. Well, well, you know, Jesus didn't say come back. And if we go back, you know, it, it might break the, 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 the healing, right? And so, you know, Jesus said, go to the priest. I'm going to go to the priest. I'm going to show myself. And then, then, you know, maybe I'll go back and find Jesus. So maybe, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt, they might've been saying, I'm going to do what he says. Then I'll come back and thank him. Or maybe some of them are like, you know what? I don't care about Jesus. I just wanted to be healed, Right. I heard he was a healer and I asked him to heal me. I'm healed. Hey man, thanks Jesus. It's been nice, but I got family to see. I got friends to see. I got a, a job to get back to. I got a home to get back to. And so, you know, sometimes we, we are grateful for people and, but only for what they can give us and we're not really interested in them. So in our lives, brothers and sisters, when, when something's happened for us that's been good from God or from others, you know, is our response like the one? Do we come back and we thank them, you know, with our words and with our actions? Or are we caught up with the, you know, the other nine for whatever reason? We just, for whatever reason, we don't make it back to give thanks. So nine did not, one did. So then Jesus said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, we know that he's already been healed physically because of his faith, right? He did exactly what Jesus told him to do. He believed what Jesus said. He went and he did it. He was healed. So I think, and I think some other biblical commentators who comment on this think that what happens here is it's, it's more than just the physical healing. It's a relationship. It's a spiritual healing of this leper of this Samaritan, right? And so he has this spiritual experience, this spiritual encounter with Jesus that the other nine miss out on. Because he's come back, he's humbled himself, he's thanked Jesus with his words, he's thanked Jesus with his actions, he's gotten down, he's bowed to Jesus, he's acknowledged Jesus as Lord. And so they all got the physical healing, which is awesome. But it seems like he gets something more because he's come back and he's submitted his spirit to Christ. And he's received this blessing, right? So it's this, it's this powerful story of, of being thankful. In our own lives, are we like the one leper and we come back and we thank people and we honor them with our words and with our actions? Do we thank God with our words? Do we thank God with our actions? Are we somewhere caught up in the nine for whatever reason and we just kind of go on our way and we don't share that thankfulness? I think one big reason that we give of our time and our talent and our money to God is because we're thankful. We give because we're thankful. We give because we are thankful. Like those basketball players, man, I'm sure they are thankful and they're going to be giving all kinds of things to those people that freed them. Like this leper came back and you gave me my life back, Jesus. It's the least I can do to thank you with my words and my actions. Do we feel the same way about God in our lives? Because you think about it, God has given us a lot to be grateful for. 
God has created us and gives us life. We have life. We are alive today. God has created us in God's image, which is a beautiful thing. And it says that we can be in a relationship with God. We've got clothes on our backs. We have a roof over our head. We have food in our stomachs, right? Uh, we're going to go somewhere after this. We have friends who care about us. We have family. We, we have a church family. At the very least, we have a church family that cares about us. We live in America, the greatest country in the world. And even the poorest of the poor here, we have it so much better than most all of the world. Right. God has given us so much and and he even decided to give us his son. Right. We're we're far from God sometimes because we do wrong things and we carry around guilt and we carry around shame. But Jesus came. He died and he came back to life to wipe all that away. Jesus came and says, I want to give you not just life, but life to the full. I want you to to make a difference in the world and have an awesome life. I want you to live forever in the kingdom of heaven. That's why I came is to give you all of this. And so when we give to God, we are grateful. Thanks, God. Everything that I have is because of you. My life, my gifts and abilities, my time, my, my money, right, God? Right? It's all yours anyway. I'm just glad, right? You know, like those guys who were free from prison, right? They would scrub toilets, right? We're free from death and eternal separation, and we're free to live in joy and life to the full. And so we give because we're thankful. Lauren, I have uh, a good set of friends, the married couple, and they have three young daughters uh, between the ages of three and eight, and they're just precious, and uh, they like to hang out with our boys and just have a really good time, and so this family just got back recently from a trip down to Florida to Disney, and I always forget if that's Disneyland or Disney World, but anyway, it's Disney down in Florida, and so uh, they were doing the Disney thing, and then the three girls, they're into the princess stuff and all that, and they're also into Pirates of the Caribbean, all, all this stuff. They're just having a great time. So there's five of them, and it's the two grand parents uh, are down there with them and they're just having a good time. They, you know, they're, they're catching their breath at one moment, checking the map out, grabbing a snack, you know, and just kind of hanging out and getting ready to go to the next part of the park. And, uh, and all of a sudden, mom looks up and looks around. And it's like, where's Samantha? Right? Middle daughter, you know, she's six years old. You know, where, where's Samantha? And it was like, I thought she's over here. I thought she's with you, you know. And pretty soon they're looking around and she is gone. She is gone. And so, of course, the, they assume the worst, like, you know, she's lost or someone's grabbed her, someone's kidnapped her, right? And, you know, and, and these are good parents, they're good grandparents, you know, not irresponsible. It's just, you know, it's crazy there and all that kind of stuff. And before we start, you know, pointing the finger, blaming them, remember Mary and Joseph lost Jesus themselves, right? So it happens. And so, but they are freaking out. You know, as understandably, we would understand that. And so uh, mom just, you know, she's trying to hold it together. She's, she's already crying and just starting to be really upset. They grab uh, one of the Disney employees, tell them what's happened. They get on the radio and they lock Disney down, right? It's like that, right? very professional. You know, they start searching, you know, they, they're calling out what she looks like around trying to find a picture on the phone. And, you know, and, and so then mom decides to keep the, the other two girls where they are stationary in case she wanders back. Dad's going down to Pirates of the Caribbean because she'd been talking about how she wanted to go there all day. Grandpa's going here. Grandma's going there. Disney's going here all there. Ten minutes, not a sign of her. They are freaking out. We have lost our daughter. We might never see her again. Who knows what has happened to her, what's happening to her right now. You see what happens in the world and the news and, and all that kind of stuff. Just absolutely having a meltdown. Right. So mom's with the two girls. Right. And, and then by the grace of God, here comes this couple, married couple. They're this nice couple from Britain. They're coming up and Samantha's with them. 
right? And so mom sees them and just runs and embraces the daughter, right? The daughter who was once lost is now found, who could have been being abused, who could have been dead, gone, kidnapped, whatever, has been restored, right? 10 minutes feels like 10 years in a circumstance like that. And you know, just hugging her. And, and she's like, I can't remember everything that I was doing or saying because I was crying so much. But she's like hugging those British people and, and just crying and, you know, saying, thank you. And thank you, Jesus. And, you know, you know, can I do anything for you? Thanking the Disney people. And, you know, you guys are awesome. And we'd love to write you a recommendation. Just, you know, all this stuff going on because what was once lost has been found. Right. And, and, and our friends would do anything to share their Thanksgiving with that family. Right. They would give anything because they've gotten their daughter back. They would give anything because of how thankful they were to be restored with their child. And that's how God feels about us. We're the lost little girl. Right? God's the parent, right? He sends his son Jesus. The British right, couple comes in, finds us, and brings us back, right? And, and when we're back, God's like, yes, you have brought me my child back, right? And from, from Samantha's viewpoint of, man, I am lost, and I'm scared, and I'm freaking out, and here this nice couple is restoring me to my parents, right? Thank you. You have brought me back to my parents. Would give anything to that British couple, right? Restored them to life. We give because we're thankful. God says, you know, spend some time with me. Come and worship. Read the Bible. Pray. Right? Get, get into a small group. Serve the church. Right? If you've got the gifts to sing, then, then sing. If you've got the gifts to teach children, then, then teach children. If you've got the gift to set up lights, you know, do that. If you've got uh, the gift to be friendly and greet people in the, in the lobby on behalf of the church, do that. Right? Give me your time. God says, give me money. Right? I don't need your money, but we need to come together and, and provide ministries for this community. Right? Give me your money to show me that I'm more important than the things that you buy in life. Give me money because when you do that, then you trust me with your sacrificial gift that, that, that I will take care of your needs, right? And, 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 and so, God, we give our, our time and our talent and our treasure because you've given us everything, and it's a way for us to say thank you. We're grateful. You've created us. You've given us life. You give us life to the full. You give us life everlasting. You give us joy and peace, and, and you take away our guilt and our shame and our death. Man, God, you're awesome. We give. We give because we're thankful. We've been set free from our spiritual prisons, right? We have been found. We were once lost and now we are found like that little girl has been found. And that's what Jesus does for us. And our response is to say thank you and like that leper to bow down and to give to God. God, how can I give back? God says, do two things. Love me with all that you have. Your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, your talents, your treasure, your your time. And he says, love people as I have loved you. That's the way that you show me, God says to us, that you're thankful. So today's our commitment Sunday. We can write down on our stewardship card like how we're going to serve God next year through the ministries of the church. We're going to write down how we're going to give to God through the ministries of the church financially to support that, right? So we'll have a chance to walk out of worship today. And the last thing that we will do is take that, put in the offering bag to say, the basket out in the lobby, say, God, thank you. This is the way that I want to give back to you and show you what you mean to me, right? And if we went with the odds of this story today, 
right? It'd be nine to one that, that a lot of us are not ready to make a commitment to serve God through the church, right? And so we've been given gifts and abilities and life and family and friends. We're just, you know, we're not quite sure about that. And then the one of us, right, it's going to be like, yeah, God, I'm in, right? I'm in. You've given me everything. I'm so excited. I can't wait to serve you and, 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 and just give you everything that I can, right? But here's what I think. I know this congregation. And I know we're going to blow those odds out of the water, right? Because we're, we're generous and we are grateful and, and we recognize how much God has blessed us. And, and so today we're, we're going we're gonna to step up and we're going to say, God, we love you. And we're grateful for Jesus and we thank you for all that you've done for us. And it's the least that we can do. We give because we're thankful. We give because we're like those boys who've been in prison and we've been set free. But we give because we've been like the little girl who's been lost and we have been found. We give because God is so good to us. We give because we're thankful. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.